Well, hey, Grace family. It is such an absolute honor to be with you this Sunday, this very special Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. Um, I, I believe I've spoken at pretty much all of the Grace churches at one time or another, with the exception of Grace Marietta, and that's just because Ben Hardman will not give me an invitation, and I'm not bitter about that at all, but all the others I've, I've been at, but I've never spoken to the entire Grace family at the same time. So this really is a treat. Thank you guys for having me, and especially a treat on this Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. This is such an important moment in the Christian calendar. This is when we remember the giving of the Holy Spirit, the the birthing of the Christian church. It's when we remember this empowered group of believers beginning to go out into the world to see God's kingdom come. And so just an honor to be able to preach to you guys uh, on Pentecost Sunday. We're going to go ahead and read some verses from Pentecost just to remind ourselves of what happened on that day. So this is Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. If you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and turn there. And I have to say, in the words of our founder, the late, great Buddy Hoffman, slip up your hand if you need a Bible, as he used to say. So this is Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of them were filled with The Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. In my experience, if you were raised in the church, depending on what kind of church you were raised in, it often informs what you believe about the Spirit or what your interaction is with the Holy Spirit, kind of how you approach conversations about the Holy Spirit. I know we have some people here at our church, Grace Capital City, and you know, you start talking about the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in tongues before they were speaking English. They they grew up in one of those, you know, like hands down for coffee churches. You know what I'm talking about? Put your hand down if you need coffee, right? And so you start talking about the spirit with them and they're like, yeah, come on. Like I I live in the river. Like let's let's go for it. You know, that's a lot of people Um, around our family. I know for me personally, that wasn't my experience. I I grew up in Australia, of course, but I grew up in a Dutch Reformed church, which we affectionately call now the Frozen Chosen. And there were so many amazing things about that church. I am am deeply grateful for the, the legacy of Bible knowledge and Bible maturity that was poured into me at a young age. But if you'd had a conversation with me about like the present work of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, that would have been foreign to me. I didn't really understand that. And so I I say that just to kind of make the point that as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we bring a lot of ourselves into the conversation, don't we? A lot of our background tends to inform how we feel about this conversation. But whatever background we come from, one thing we can all acknowledge and agree on is that at Pentecost, something shifted. 
Something dramatic changed at Pentecost when there were a group of believers gathered and God poured out His Spirit on all of them. There was a shift in how we approach the Spirit, in the posture of the Holy Spirit. So I want to press into that for a minute. What shifted at Pentecost? Now, a helpful way that I've found to articulate this shift is to think of it like this. You see, before Pentecost... So in the Old Testament, I would say that the Spirit was with us. The Spirit was, was with us. And of course, we know that the Spirit wasn't created at Pentecost, right? Of course, that the Holy Spirit is a member of the triune, eternal God. It wasn't created at Pentecost. We read all throughout the Old Testament these moments where the Holy Spirit is ministering and, and, and moving, these moments where we read about the work of the Holy Spirit. You think about uh, the book of Genesis. It starts like that. You have the Spirit hovering over the waters. You read about uh, the book of Judges. We read about some movements of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Judges chapter 3, this man named Othniel, it talks about the Spirit coming upon him in power. Judges 6, you have Gideon. It says that before he goes out to battle the Midianites, see that the Spirit comes upon him in power. Then you have this guy Samson with the long hair and, and, the, and the big muscles, right? It talks about how the Spirit comes upon him and, and he literally tears apart a lion with his bare hands, which is graphic to say the least, right? But we, that's what we read about the Spirit, right? It seems like the Spirit in the Old Testament comes with, with a purpose. It comes to a specific person for a situation to strengthen them or speak through them or empower them in a particular moment. The Spirit is with us in the Old Testament. A helpful metaphor, I think, um, when we're thinking about this is, um, is th think about water. Think about this, this bottle of water, right? The water is with me, isn't it, right now? And because, because the water is with me, I, there's certain things I can do with it. It can help me. I could pour it all over my head. Right? I could take a shower with it. You could take a shower with it. It might be the first shower you've taken in quarantine. Right? I could splash it in my face to refresh me. Right? It can help me. I could wash my hands with it. I could, I could wash my car with it. You could wash my car with it, perhaps. Just consider that a volunteer opportunity if you're interested. But the water, the water is, is with me. It's, it's helping me. It's assisting me. The water is with me. And I think this is a, a helpful way to think about the role or the posture of the Holy Spirit pre-Pentecost. It is with us, helping us. But at Pentecost, the, the posture changes, doesn't it? You see, now, no longer is, is the water with me. Now the water is within me. And as much as the water, when it was with me, it, it helped me, right? I could clean myself. I could wash my hands. I could wash my car. It helped me. When the water is within me, it doesn't just help me. It literally transforms me. It is changing me. My body is dependent on water, 
right? It is, it is growing me. It's strengthening me. It's giving me energy. It's letting me live, right? It's fueling my body, this water within me, right? We need, we know our bodies are reliant on water. We need to be hydrated. I, I had a, a Facebook post I saw once where someone posted this thing. They said, you know, if you're sick, you should get an onion, put it in a sock and sleep with it. And, and then I had another friend and she's, she's in the medical field and she commented on it and she said, you know what, just keep the onion, save the sock, just drink a lot of water. Right? And I was like, that's, that's what we know. That's what water does to our bodies. It, it, it transforms us. It grows us, strengthens us, changes us. And guys, this is, this is like the new posture of the Holy Spirit we read about at Pentecost. Because at Pentecost, what happens is no longer is the Spirit just showing up at certain moments. It's not just showing up to strengthen Gideon or to strengthen Samson or to help in a moment or to comfort someone. Now the Spirit is dwelling within the daughters and sons of Jesus Christ, sanctifying them, empowering them transforming them to look and live more like Jesus himself. Guys, this is, this is the beautiful message of Pentecost, right? Is that there was, there was like a, a bowl of water that we had used to splash our faces with, and God said, I want you to have a drink. That water that has been with you is now going to be within you, and it's not just going to help you, it's going to completely change you. And I, and I just want to speak this out over you, wherever you are watching this from today. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living within you right now. And the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you and challenging you and convicting you of sin and leading you into righteousness. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to you. The promise of Pentecost is no longer is the Spirit just with us. Now we talk about the Spirit within us. I remember when, um, when I was about 19, there was a group of some of my friends, and, and we, we all together just got, I don't know how else to describe it, we, we just got on fire for God, <laughs> like all at the same time. And we were all going to the same church, and, and so we were just hungry for the, for the things of God, and, and we were just doing anything we could to learn more, to experience more of God. And we were young and immature and naive in a lot of ways, but we were, we were hungry. And these conversations started coming out about more, like having more of God. Can you have more of the Spirit, more of God? Maybe there's more available to us. And, and we would read these passages in the Scriptures, like, like Ephesians 5, 18, where, where Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. But then we would, we would learn that, that being filled is like being continuously filled. And we're like, yeah, you can have more of God, be continuously filled. Or Acts chapter 8, where this moment where Peter and John literally rebaptized these believers because they were baptized into the name of Jesus, but they hadn't received the Spirit. And so we were having these conversations about more. We wanted more of God. And so we were just going after it. And we would have these, these worship nights, right? 
And, and I know around grace, right? If, if you are having a worship night in your house, you know, maybe someone shows up with an acoustic guitar and maybe someone shows up with a djembe or if you're getting really creative and fancy, maybe you bring a violin along. Someone's got some skills on that. But for us in Adelaide, Australia in the late 90s, our spiritual weapon of choice was the five CD disc changer, Okay. You know what I'm talking about with the five CD disc? It had the tray that came out and you could put in five discs, right? Not one, not two, not three, five discs. And I'm telling you, guys, you could program in so much, you know, Michael W. Smith and old school Hillsong and Jaws of Clay and Israel Helton and whatever you're into, right? You could program that thing again until Jesus comes back. And we would do it and just program hours of worship and just sit in this living room because we were like, God, there's more, there's more. We want more. I don't know if you've been around conversations like that, but, but I'll tell you, as much as it drove my hunger, if I'm honest, there was something in me that became anxious as well because it started posing these questions where it's like, well, do I not have all of God? Do I, does, do I have less than this person? Do I, does this person have more than me? And in the flesh, I remember these conversations about more. It made me hungry, but it also made me kind of anxious where we would start ranking like who's the most spiritual and who has the most of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if some of you guys have experienced that, the sense of like, well, what does that mean to have more? And here's what I've learned in this. I think we miss something here. You see, what I think we miss is that there is a third posture still of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about you know, pre-Pentecost in the Old Testament, the Spirit with us, like water with us. We use it to clean, refresh ourselves. And then post-Pentecost, it becomes the Spirit within us. It, it changes us. It transforms us. It, it, it grows us, sanctifies us, right? These two postures. But I want to suggest to us tonight that there is a deeper place still that God calls us into. A deeper, a third posture that if we're open to it, God wants to actually lead us into. And maybe I could illustrate it like this. Um, when I, was, when I was 17, I graduated high school, and me and some buddies, we were, we were young, we had, we had driver's licenses and too much testosterone, to be honest. And uh, so we decided to go on a trip. We, we wanted to go visit a friend of ours, and we were going to drive southeast coast of Australia um, to the city of Melbourne, and we were going to visit a lot of the beaches along the way. And every beach we liked, we were going to swim and body surf. And we didn't bring surfboards with us, but we, we were decent swimmers, and so we would body surf on any good waves. And I remember this one day as we were driving along this beautiful coast, and we find this beach, and it's pretty deserted. There might have been maybe three or four surfers out there, but the waves are huge. And it looks kind of kind of daunting, but we were like, man, we should get out there. Great ways. We, we should give this a go. And so we, we you know, against better judgment, we, we went out there and we were going to swim out to where the waves were breaking and, and just start body surfing. Well, as soon as we get in the water, we start to realize this was a bad idea. It got deep really quickly and there was a vicious undercurrent. And I, it, it just, I don't know if you've ever been in an undercurrent, like a rip, 
an undertow before. It just began to violently pull us out into the ocean. And if you've ever been in a, in a rip before, you know all the wisdom is you don't fight it. You don't swim against it because you wear yourself out. What you do is you swim across it and then you swim back into the beach. Well, we knew that. We'd been taught that our whole lives as kids growing up in Australia. But all of that wisdom went out the window and we just start paddling, right? As fast as we could. Every stroke I ever learned in swim class, we're just bringing it on. We're going to beat this undercurrent. But of course we can't. This thing is pulling us out further and further. Waves are smashing on us and we're just getting pulled out into the ocean. And fortunately for us, a couple of surfers saw us they paddle over to us and they kind of lift us onto their boards and bring us back into the sand and throw us, throw us on the beach. But I, I've thought about that, that moment um, a few times, especially how it kind of relates to what I'm talking about today. And, and I, I think there's a question that comes out of this story. And the question is this, who would you say was in control in that situation? Who was in control? And, and by that, what I mean is, would you say I was in control? Like little 150-pound, 17-year-old me who was doing all the wrong swim moves and making, would you say I was in control? Or would you say the enormity of the Pacific Ocean was in control? With its 700 million cubic kilometers, I looked it up, 700 million cubic kilometers of water and its massive towering waves and its unsearchable depths and, depths and its powerful rips and currents. Like, who would you say was in control? Because I can tell you what, as I was out there in the ocean, I did not feel like I was in control. The ocean was in control of me. It was pulling me wherever it wanted to go. If it wanted to throw a wave on me, that's what it was doing. If it wanted to pull me out further, it was pulling me out further. If it wanted to suck me under in the swell, it was sucking me under. i tell you who was in control, and it wasn't me. The ocean was in control, right? It, the, the truth of the matter is I didn't have the ocean. I didn't have the water. The water had me. The ocean had me. And guys, I think this story is helpful. This is, this is important, right? Stay with me on this because when it comes to this conversation about more, more of God, more of the Spirit, the question we often find ourselves asking is, do I have the Spirit? Do I have the Spirit? Do you have the Spirit? And I want to tell you tonight, that's the wrong question. It's absolutely the wrong question, right? If you're in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. All of it. Jesus says, poured out without measure. Not the Baptist spirit, not the, not the charismatic spirit, not the Dutch Reformed spirit, not the Australian spirit or the American spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. It is given over to you. Friends, the wrong question is, do you have the Spirit? The right question is, does the Spirit have you? Does the Spirit have you? Has the Spirit grabbed a hold of your life and captivated your imagination? Has the Spirit directed you and, and led you 
into unsearchable places? Has, has the Spirit grabbed hold of your passion and your dreams and your plans? Friends, there is no question that the Spirit is given over to you. We read about that at Pentecost. The question is, are you given over to the Spirit? Have you surrendered your life to the waves and the currents of the Holy Spirit to be led wherever God wants to lead you, to do whatever God wants to do with you? Or are you like me when I was 17 years old, just futilely just paddling against the enormity of God's purposes and plans for your life? Friends, we find ourselves asking a lot, do I have the Spirit? The question we should be asking ourselves is, does the Spirit have me, have you released control? Guys, you know what the opposite of, of surrender is? It's control. It's control. Have you released that white knuckle grip we have on our lives and our plans and our futures and, and our finances? Have we released that and said, God, whatever you want to do, I am surrendering my life to your plan. Because there comes a moment for every single believer. I'm saying believer, person who is already saved, who has confessed Jesus as Lord. There comes a moment where we have to answer the question, are you content? Are you satisfied to have the Spirit? Or are you willing to let the Spirit have you? Are you ready to give your life over to that? Friends, the third posture of this Holy Spirit, it's no longer just about the Spirit with you. And it's no longer even just about the Spirit within you. Now it's about you within the Spirit. A life completely surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit, to the leading of His call to his mission and his plan and his authority and power in your life. Guys, the, the more that we are invited into is not more of the spirit. It's, it's, more, it's not more spirit. It's more surrender. That's what we bring. God provides the spirit. We, we surrender our lives. We lean back literally into the waves and the ocean of his goodness and say, God, whatever you want to do with my life, do it with me. Use me for it. Lead me in it. You know, surrendering to the person of the Spirit equips us for the work of the Spirit. It's, it's, it's actually out of that place of Intimacy, that place of, of surrender, of letting go that we begin to walk, not just in our fleshly, earthly authority in our best efforts, but we actually become empowered people. And, and guys, th this is what we read about in Acts. Right? We read those verses, tongues of fire, spirit within them. Right? And, and, and what happens is we read about this, this empowered, surrendered group of believers who then go out and literally change the world. And they'll go anywhere because they're completely given over to the work of the Spirit. They plant churches. Some of them are martyred and persecuted. They see signs and wonders. They, 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 they see huge conversions to the name of Jesus. They've given themselves over to the work of the Spirit. And guys, I, I want to suggest to us that not only is this the story of Acts, but in a lot of ways, this has been the story of our family of churches too. 
Honestly, I think the Grace family of churches has been defined by women and men surrendered to the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and released into the work of the Spirit. And, and whether that's looked like people moving to nations abroad to work amongst Muslim people, or people who have given their lives to disciple the next generation and they've just poured into young women and men because they've given themselves over to the work of the Spirit, or people who have given their lives to plant churches, different churches around the country and around different nations in the world. This is what it has looked like. People surrendered to the work of the Spirit. I, I always remember, almost like it was yesterday, Pentecost 2014, which is when we gathered at the Tabernacle in Atlanta. I'm sure some of you were there. And Buddy Hoffman, our founder, was alive at that time. And he stood on that stage with, with 20 young people who were ready to move to D.C. to plant this church, Grace Capital City. And he said, I don't believe God's done yet. I don't believe God's done yet. And he turned around. He saw a group of people who were willing to say, I'll go. I'm not content to just have the Spirit. I want the Spirit to have me every single part of my life. And so that's the invitation for us. You have the Spirit. If you're in Jesus, you have the Spirit. But the question is, does the Spirit have you? And so we wanted to create an opportunity for just some response here. And we know different people are watching this in different ways. I know there's some of you who are gathered in living rooms and small watch parties. And so there's going to be some prompts and some questions coming on the screen. But maybe together in that room, you can pray for one another. Pray for that spirit of surrender. Pray for that, those places that you've white nickel, knuckle grip that you need to let go of. For some of you, you might be watching on your own. But there's still that same work, that same invitation, that same moment to surrender afresh to God's leading. Guys, and I'll just leave you with this. God's vision for your life is better than your vision for your life. Surrendering to God's vision for your life is the best decision you can ever make. Go in peace.